Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Now, if you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and in essence, catch up on our cinema. So it is the month of June 2022, and it is our VHS cover art event month. Essentially, what we've been doing from week to week is uh, using this as an opportunity to check out some of those uh, old cover arts that we remember from our youth, uh, perusing the video store and whatnot. Uh, There's a lot of genre films from the 80s and 90s in particular that have some very striking cover art, uh, many of which that Kyle and I have not seen. Uh, So this month we went out of our way to just kind of grab some movies to review that we only knew by the cover art. Like, these are not things that we looked into in depth. So it was kind of like a blind buy type situation, uh, strictly based on the strength of the cover art. So uh, last week I did a solo review of the uh, Clive Barker written uh, Underworld slash Transmutations. Uh, but this week, I guess the, uh, the last week of June, uh, Kyle has the pick. Uh, mm-hmm. So Kyle, uh, would you care to share with the folks at home what your, your pick for the last week of uh, VHS cover art month is? Yes, uh, for my choice, I picked the not so not the worst stinker of the bunch uh, that we picked this month. But I went with Night of the Demons Part Two or Night of the Demons Two from 1994, directed by somebody. I didn't even write down their name. You're looking it up because you didn't even. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, I, you can see my hands darting across yeah. the keyboard. It is a uh, Brian Trenchard Dash Smith. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that that guy. Uh, oh, I'm sure he's directed a bunch of stuff that we've never heard of, because I think I perused through his filmography, and I'm like, never heard of it, never heard of it, never heard of it in the 90s, which is bad. Um, so yeah, this this movie, I didn't see the first one. Are you familiar with the first one? I am, actually. I, have, I actually have seen the first one. Um, which is part of why I've been asking you, like, as we've gone through the month, like, Night of the Demons 2. Yes curious being as i'm keenly aware that you have not seen Mm-mm. night of the demons it's like why are we doing two and uh kyle would you care to share why that's the case yeah because the cover art of this one spoke to me more than the other one because this as i've said before is and i'm sure you'll see on the website uh it's a demon uh, about to eat what looks like a skull lollipop uh and i just always thought that it looked like a very strange like look like a horror comedy kind of deal uh and that was I was always drawn to it, but I never got to rent it. Uh, but finally, I uh, finally got to pull the trigger this week. Yeah, and uh, good on you for going with strictly the cover that resonated with you the most. Because, like for me personally, I probably would have been tempted to just like defer to the the first in the series, just because mm-hmm. they both have pretty striking covers, and it's the beginning of the series. And in your case, you hadn't seen the first one, so it's kind of funny to jump into the sequel, but. You know, there's a reason these covers are structured the way they are. It's to it's to grab your attention, and I, I, it doesn't take a genius to know that you don't exactly have to be up on your Night of the Demons franchise canon slash lore to get what's going on in this film. It's not highbrow cinema. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I personally, um, like I said, I have seen the first one. I think I, I watched it via a streaming service only a few years ago, uh, again, largely just based on memories of the cover for the first film. I actually wasn't entirely aware of of it having sequels, uh, so I was kind of surprised when Kyle tossed me that one. But um, 
like spoilers i guess uh i mean we do full spoilers here on catching up on cinema but but kyle like if you were to rank this film among the others that we covered this month where do you think you'd place it well full disclosure i didn't watch your transmutations i didn't get a chance to get to it but i would say that this is probably second of the ones that i did see um actually you know what that's actually i i take that back i think this was first for me um, because this was silly and goofy enough that I was able to pay a bit more attention than I was with our first film, which was... Uh, the Deadly Spawn. Yeah, The Deadly Spawn, which is the superior film, for sure. It's a it's a, a nice B-movie throwback. Uh, that's It was it had much more care and love put into it, uh, although the execution, the final product, is not entirely the best for me to watch personally. This is much more my speed when it comes to silly, stupid things. Um, but anything's better than uh, Jason Goes to Hell. That is hot shit. Yeah. Yeah, I I had forgotten how shit that movie was. Like, I, I actually was going into that one. Like, I've seen it a couple of times, but I, I remember press, pressing the play button on that one, being like, oh, yeah, Jason Goes to Hell. This will be all right. And then I got to the end of it, and I was like, whoo! I uh, know that was not pleasant. <laughs> but um, I will tell you this, Kyle, uh, Underworld slash Transmutations uh, is also not very good. Surprise. <laughs> um, but, you know, it doesn't have the legacy of, of Jason Voorhees associated with it. So it's it's a little bit easier to give it a pass. It's just kind of like, I don't know, passive entertainment where it's like it, it's not engaging. There's not a whole lot of ambition on display. It's a movie. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I can't I can't hate that. They didn't have much to work with to begin with. Whereas Jason goes to hell. It's like the, there are expectations, sir. And you failed yeah. to live up to them. While, while I have you, um, so Steph and I went through. We she did, I had her watch the first two Hellboy movies, the Guillermo del Toro. Oh. They're great. They're I really like those movies. Um, but we were thinking about watching the third one. However, it is summertime. And it is perfect time to watch Jason Voorhees murk some camp counselors. So I forgot to get the recommendation. What Friday the Thirteenth movie should I go back and watch this evening? Hmm. That's a that's a tough one because I mean they all have you can like, think they about do it. have some strength. No, I mean I'll I'll give you I'll shoot from the hip and okay. uh, I'll I'll just give you some profiles to work from. So, uh, three is good good trashy fun because it has the three D effect mm-hmm. and it, it's it's you know the introduction of the hockey mask. Uh, four I think is personally like my go to. Like, I think that's the one that I enjoy watching the most as a film. It does have some good kills as well. I believe Crispin Glover's in that one. Okay. Um, As well as the band Lion, who gave us the 1986 rendition of the Transformers song. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Very near and dear to my heart. Uh, Six gets a lot of praise uh, for being uh, campier. Um, it does have a high body count. It does immediately throw some like universal, like classic horror movie tropes in your in your face. Okay. And I think that's the one that also begins with the James Bond sequence. Ooh. Um, so it it is self aware. Like it, it knows that it's it's schlocky fun, and it does have uh, superior production values to some of the other ones. Um, so yeah, four and six I think are, are safe bets. Uh, three. If if you're interested in the like the the goofy 3D shots and stuff like that's fun, but four personally would be my go-to. Okay, I have seen three, so I might be able to get I might be able to get 
uh, my wife on board with six. So I might uh, I might go with that. Um, okay. While I've got you here again, uh, <laughs> do you want to go and let's rattle off a few of our other runner-ups that we chose for this month? I've got I've got three I've got three ready to go. Um, we can go back and forth if you'd like. Absolutely, that sounds great. Okay, um, this is this is fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, uh, this is no indication as to how much we have to say about the film up ahead. So. The, the uh, movie, the not. The movie's the movie has some fun stuff going on. There's some fun acting, some fun lines. Yeah, it's it's not no, a complete we're, loss. We're we're not we're not like lying when we say this is probably top two mm-hmm. of of the four movies we reviewed this month. It's it's not terrible by any no. means. In fact, it, it it's a lot of fun at times. It's just. A little bit inconsistent is all. Mm -hmm. Um, And it takes its sweet time getting rolling, too. Um, Okay, well, I guess I'll I'll kick things off, and then I'll I'll pass the baton to you. So um, I've got a handful of picks, but I'll go with one that I spoiled for myself um, when when this long gestating project was, like, not officially on the books. So Kyle and I actually did talk about doing this, this event month, this VHS cover art themed month uh, a very long time ago almost around the time we started doing the fucking podcast mm-hmm. uh, so I, I started scouting like movies from my from my memory uh, a long time ago um, and the first one that came to mind I think my brother uh, Matt I think he uh, also shared this one with me was a uh, split second oh Rucker Hauer correct you you know the cover right? I've watched about half of that movie yeah, and that's that's about all you need before you can walk away from it. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, um, it was a historically troubled production. Um, it had some serious issues going on. They did not have an ending. They literally just had to throw <laughs> some shit together at the end. Um, and the monster that is featured so prominently on the cover is in a couple of shots in the movie, and it looks like ass. Mm. Um, it it has almost no presence in the film, and it speaks to the fact that. I don't think during production they knew what the thing was supposed to look like. So, like, pretty much any instance of violence had to be off-screen or implied or something. It's it, Honestly, the first half of the film is like Blade Runner on some good cocaine. Like, it's got that kind of feel to it. Yeah, from a production design standpoint, I, I could be wrong, but I think the production designer of Blade Runner and the Super Mario Brothers movie uh, mm. actually worked on the film. I, I could be wrong on that, but I think I think that was the case. And it does actually have some neat sets. It has some neat locales. They do like this kind of like cyberpunk flooded city situation. It, it has a neat look to it. It's just they don't do shit with it. Um, and Rutger Hauer looks looks pretty fucking bored and or drunk throughout most of the movie. This is yeah. this is not blind fury Rutger Hauer. This is this is like kind of drunk and flabby Rutger Hauer. This isn't iconic role in Blade Runner Rutger Hauer. This is a yeah. different Rutger Hauer. Uh, I just want to say I'm sure the production designer was really happy that you kept in that they did the Mario movie. Uh, they'd like to keep that on their on their uh, credentials. <laughs> the um, people need to know. <laughs> you know, it's funny. There's, there's. I guess a, a Chris. Pratt, I don't know if the Mario movie is going to be live action or if it's going to be just a um, like Pixar kind of thing. But I think it's animated. CGI animated. animated. And they're like, yeah, Chris Pratt's going to do the voice of Mario. People are like, what the fuck? I'm like, I don't think you want an Italian person doing Mario because it's not a positive. A caricature of an Italian person, so maybe just have Chris Pratt do it. Hey, he's a tradesman. He makes yeah. good money. He's putting his kids through college. Should he have kids? Yeah. 
Um, yeah. So my choice, uh, which was, I didn't, I couldn't remember the movie, so I wasn't able to uh, find it. And I'm like, I bet you, if I look down on the, you might also like on IMDb for <laughs> Night of the Demons too. Sure enough, there it is. And I'm pretty sure as soon as I say, it, you're gonna know exactly what movie I'm talking about. Return of the Living Dead three. Uh, which oh. ha- which has the hottie on the front with the stuff coming out of her face, the spikes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I've, uh, I've actually seen that one. You've actually seen that? Okay. That was my yeah. runner-up because I remember watching Beetlejuice, and I'm like, oh, wait, he's got the spikes coming out of him like the, the lady on the box that I saw. Um, I know nothing about that movie, uh, but uh, because I'm right here again while I've got you, I'm just going to go ahead and roll into my second one because it, it plays into the first one, which is... The Return of the Living Dead was another one that I always really wanted to watch. Um, and I actually own that on Blu-ray. Uh, I do actually like that film. It's it's fun. That movie makes me anxious, man. Mm. Like, I know it's I know it's fun, quote, fun, but the the style of, of humor and the situations the characters find them in is seriously pitch black dark. Like, yeah. it, it, it gets under my skin, the scenario, where it's just like, oh my god, this is just, it just keeps getting worse. Yeah. And like every effort to make it better just makes it worse and worse and worse. It's thoroughly apocalyptic, and and that's that's like a like a genuine horror vibe I get from that. Despite like the the punk rock like goofy schlocky atmosphere throughout like most of the movie, there's undertones of some serious darkness. It actually, for whatever reason, it's stuff like that that does make me it feels bad, man. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It makes me feel bad. But very good movie though. I, I enjoy that one quite a bit, and I think the second one's not half bad too. Third one also. Like I, I, I don't know if the franchise continued beyond the one with the gal on the cover. Um, but I, I, of those three, I don't think there's like a an outright miss. So <laughs> this is a, a weird one, but I've always just been curious what the movie is. So this this one comes from, uh, I believe it's producer Charles Band, uh, who gave us the uh, the Puppet Master series, which continues to this very day uh demonic toys uh i think he also was involved in the production of doll man so he seems to have a fascination with little little monsters like Mm -hmm. like miniature miniature terrors and whatnot um so head of the family kyle um i don't know if you've ever seen the cover for this one but i i I distinctly remember like walking up and down the sci-fi slash horror aisle of our blockbuster and seeing this and just saying what the fuck is that <laughs> like the title and the cover it's just oh like, i see it yeah 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 kyle looked it up um i have no idea what this movie is but i do know that it's a charles band production so i guess it's appropriate given that it looks like a you know there's some miniature effects uh, in the form of uh, a poor actor having to sit on a puppet body wheelchair <laughs> I have no idea what this movie actually is, um, but I, I remember the cover and curiosity. You know, is is sometimes all that all that need compel you to to rent something off of the shelf. Um, not in a hurry to watch this one, but it's a cover that's unforgettable to me just because of how fucking stupid it looks. Um, my last one, uh, which is I realized, um, has been one that I always wanted to watch based off the cover art, and I hadn't seen the cover art in a while, and I just kind of saw it, and I'm like, oh, I completely forgot. That was a big one for me. Army of Darkness. Very specifically, the Bruce Campbell, like, standing, kind of like the vacation. Remember how the vacation had this? Yes. Yeah. That, that was one that really spoke to me as well. 
Okay, yeah, that is a very striking cover. Um, it, it's very uh, painterly. It has that Frank Frazetta kind of vibe to it, mm-hmm. um, which is always eye-catching. Yeah. Um, in fact, I I think uh, I saw they did a riff on the Vacation poster again with uh, the Thor Love and Thunder, I think, as a as a promotional image for Possibly. the film. Possibly. I, th- I think I saw that somewhere. That I'm not sure if it's official or not, but it looked like it was distinctly evocative of that. But well, good I mean, pick, good when, pick. When you see it, it's just like you know Bruce Campbell with his shirt open with a chain. Like as a kid, you're like, "What the hell is going on with this movie? It looks crazy." But uh, and it is a crazy movie. But yeah, as a kid, <laughs> you have no idea what you're going to get yourself into. Yeah, I don't think I ever really saw the cover art for any of the Evil Dead movies before they were introduced to me. I think. Mm. That, if memory serves, Matt just showed up one day with Evil Dead 2, and he said, we're watching this. And my mom liked it. Like, we watched it as a family, Kyle, and, nice. and my mom thought it was great. <laughs> well, say Bruce Campbell does have that effect on women, so I, I do get it. Hail to the king, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Groovy. I, I do need to get around to, to watching Ash vs. Evil Dead. Like, really I've, I've decided I, I miss that guy too much. Like I, I would love to spend a couple of seasons of television with Bruce Campbell. It's um, it's quite addictive. It's really good. Um, yeah. <laughs> did you did you have another? Did you have one more that you wanted to throw out there as far as a runner up? Yeah, it's a lame one, but uh, it, it's I mean it's it's it was the style at the time, so it's it's certainly worth highlighting for the historical purposes. Uh, Uncle Sam. Uh, oh. Uncle Sam and Jack Frost. I th- I'm almost 100% certain they came from the same distributor and or producers. Um, what I'm getting at, folks at home, if you're not aware, is these were, I think, late 90s horror films, uh, direct-to-video, uh, that had holographic covers to them. So depending on what angle you're looking at them from, uh, the image would shift. And uh, Kyle and I both have childhood memories of our Lost World uh, VHS, the T-Rex wibbling and wobbling mm-hmm. if you shake the box in front of your face. Um, but in the case of Uncle Sam and uh, Jack Frost, um, both movies, which I, um, as far as I understand, are pretty terrible. Jack Frost in particular apparently is also quite unseemly on top of being terrible. Um, basically, it's like a, a friendly image of, of the title character, and then if you turn it to a certain angle, the hologram shifts to like a demonic version of them yeah um so yeah those were our runner-ups uh should i give a plot summary of this uh this film real quick yeah go for it and i'm actually gonna cheat uh i'm going to read an imdb plot summary Uh, i feel like that's gonna be the best way to go about this because really this person put in they put in some work on this plot summary so i give us your best uh shakespearean English uh, accent. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not going to do that. Uh, okay. <laughs> but if you, if I tried. You, I tried. Uh, uh, B.J. Wright at something. That's uh, that's who wrote it. It says Angela, the universe's most unpleasant party crasher, returns. Angela's sister Mouse is taken by her bullying Catholic school classmates to a party at Angela's favorite haunt, and before long. Everybody's being turned into demons, and only a butt-kicking nun who wields her ruler like a mighty sword of steel can save the day. <laughs> a butt-kicking nun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now the question is, uh, did this come out before or after Dead Alive? Oh. Um, I kick ass for the Lord, uh, if, you, if you get my drift. Yeah, let me see. Every time, 1992, so this came out after, uh, Night of ah. Demons 2 came out after Dead Alive. 
Ah, and I don't, I don't believe this film had a two-year production cycle. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that was. <laughs> it did a not bit have of a, a nod. It did not have a two-year <laughs> production cycle. <laughs> no. Um, no. But yeah, uh, so there are. I mean, there's a few cast people that one that I know personally, but there's only one other person, maybe two, that are noticeable. The biggest star in this is obviously Christine Taylor. Uh, she's in Dodgeball, Wedding Singer. You've seen her and stuff. Uh, she's married. You to mean ben. ben Stiller's wife? <laughs> I was gonna highlight the films she's been in, Zoolander. But yes, yeah, she is Ben Stiller's wife. Um, she isn't also an actress. Um, yeah, it's funny. I I could be wrong, but I seem to recall one of the characters. Uh, I think it was the Rick guy, the guy that pulls up in the car. I think he calls her Marsha at some. He point. does. He does. He calls her Marsha twice. And I was like. Oh, like that's that's weird. Like I I don't think the Brady Bunch had happened no. yet, but it would. <laughs> she's li- she's listed as Terry in the credits, but yeah. he was definitely calling her Marsha. I I I'm pretty sure I heard him call her Marsha. It was when they weren't acquainted, so it kind of made sense, I guess. But I'm almost 100 percent positive he called her that. One of the weirdest things that I've ever seen is Davy Jones. That Davy Jones in that movie comes and sings, and they start doing the dance. And she's doing the thumb dance. I didn't realize that he did that song on the Brady Bunch, so I'll send it to you so you can watch it. It is one of the... I'm so uncomfortable watching him sing. It is an awful song, and him singing is so creepy. You go for making the morning brighter, go making the nighttime nicer. But it's, I'll watch it like once a month. I'm like, I'm going to watch that Davy Jones video. <laughs> it's really weird. I need to feel uncomfortable for the next yeah. three minutes. <laughs> Uh, the only other people that people might know is Darren Heems, who plays Z Boy. Uh, he's from um, PCU. He's one of the one of the guys oh. from PCU. Uh, okay. That hair dude, obviously. And then <laughs> my favorite. This is one of those. That guy, uh, Bobby Jacoby, uh, who plays I don't know his name in this movie. I was calling him Rex, and he plays Rex from The Adventures of McGee and Me. Uh, which I sent you a little clip of. Uh, it was a Christian-based uh, little TV series, and he was the cool guy, kind of the bad kid in one of the episodes. He also plays one of the homeboys from Can't Hardly Wait. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Kyle sent me a clip uh, from one of his childhood Christian uh, VHS tapes, um, and yes, that is indeed him. Um, he walks into the room with a like a guitar twang, a la the uh, the dude from Calarissa explains it all. Exactly. Uh, he has he wears shades indoors. You know yeah. he's a cool kid. Yeah. Um, it's funny though because where I know him from, I believe I could be wrong on this is I think this was Melvin from Tremors. It's very like, possible. You gotta do something. Oh, it is hundred percent. Gotta do something. That is his number one. That's his first credit. He was in Pearl Harbor. Oh my goodness. I, I hate to say it, but some kids just they just look like a Melvin. Yeah. <laughs> and that this this Robert Jane fella is Melvin. Yeah, he's he he was in. He was in Tremors, Tremors Three, and he was in a Michael Bay movie. Okay. Well, he also looks like the. Uh, the older brother from the wonder years mm-hmm. like, yeah. like he has a similar kind of like eyes freckles and nose yeah yeah he has a similar kind of vibe to him but no this is most certainly melvin yeah. um but that was that was hilarious though that kyle was able to scrounge up that memory of this uh, was it mcgee and me mcgee show? and me 
Yeah, only one person listening is going to know exactly what I'm talking about, and that's my brother. I don't know, man. You'd, you'd be surprised. But I, I just thought that was hilarious that you just, like, like knew instantly. It's like, that that's that's Rex. That's cool guy Rex. That's Rex. <laughs> uh, but so, yeah, so this movie, uh, this movie uh, starts off, and it lets you know exactly what you're going to get yourself into. I'm like, this is going to be goofy. Uh, we have a couple of uh, Christian missionaries going around the neighborhood, and they go into this. I don't think anybody's in this house, and clearly, like it's a haunted house. Uh, <laughs> they go in, and they end up meeting the demon lady. Uh, I think she's baking a cake. I do believe um, she offers them cake. Yeah, offers. It. And she's like, "Where are you going? It's devil's food cake." And you're like, "Oh God, this is gonna be <laughs> stupid." Uh, so, I, I have to preface this next scene. Uh, like our, we're going to introduce our characters a little bit, but I have to preface this with something that happened this morning, right before I started watching this. So Steph is on her phone and she's pointing out, I guess somebody put together like things that people tell you are gay, but are not gay. It's just things that people say, well, that's gay to do. Uh, but pretty much anybody who was raised in the nineties, uh, <laughs> well, well, yeah, we'll be able to relate to this, but, uh, she was going off, uh, just saying like, Somebody had said that their grandfather, um, he'll only drink uh, his martinis with gin because vodka is for gay people. And I'm like, that's weird. Um, one lady was just, uh, one guy was just like, yeah, this girl called me gay because I was super attentive during sex. She's like, that was kind of gay. <laughs> wow. These are, all, these are all quotes. These are all quotes. Uh, if, you sit next to, if you sit next to your guy friend in a movie theater, that's gay. If you wear sunscreen, I guess we're gay, Kyle. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like if you wear sunscreen, gay guys do that. Um, and then this was the. Be- I think this is my favorite. The the gin was a good one, <laughs> but this this one was like if you go to a sushi restaurant with another guy, that's gay. I'm like, yeah, but like, I don't agree with any of this. I think it's stupid. But weirdly, I can see the logic behind all these. It's so stupid. Like sushi with your guy friend, I'm like, yeah, I get it, I get where you're coming from. It's not, but I can see where the person's making the argument. Yeah, that's that's pretty entertaining, actually. I mean, it's all it's all totally absurd, but it's like, exactly, hmm, yeah, really makes you think. Yeah, <laughs> not really. But. So roll into this this movie, so you know exactly I, see, where I'm going. I know exactly where you're going. <laughs> <laughs> we started watching this movie, and Thing, we can tell- things that I have never done in the company of my friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so we get a, a voyeur view. We can definitely see somebody's looking at binoculars, and we're watching uh, young women uh, dr- undressing or being naked in a building across the way. Clearly, we've got you know a peeping tom. Our peeping toms are two dudes standing shirtless, close enough that you can feel the breath of the guy behind you on your neck. <laughs> watching these women i go now that's gay (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's hard to argue like if you had the sound off and you just like walk by the room it's just like oh yeah Yeah. we're we're taking this entire it's an entire like dormitory full of shirtless dudes yeah like staring out a window that like if you were to if you were to cut out all the shots of what they were looking at yeah you can pretty much do yeah. anything. And again, I, yeah. we're making a joke here. They're not. Yeah, yes. it, it, we're having fun. We're having fun. You know, it's a podcast. It's Pride Month. I'm in Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> like, he lives there voluntarily. So. Yeah. I'm born and raised here. So not an issue. <laughs> yeah. Where do we go from here? Uh, well, uh, so 
we're at a place called St. Rita's, uh, mm-hmm. which is apparently like a, I believe it's like a Catholic academy or school um that it sounds like the student body is comprised largely of troubled children yeah although that doesn't really seem to be the case it's just something that they pay lip service to by the way that uh that uh opening sequence in the the haunted house uh actually they do a pretty good job of keeping the look of that house like the interior of it somewhat consistent with the first film Mm. like it's not identical by any means identical the same um but they do actually make an attempt to make it consistent um, those uh, Christian missionaries are slain uh, by the, I guess, the franchise mascot, Angela, the, the demon yeah. gal that's on the cover of all the movies, of which there were much more than I thought. Oh, really? Because, um, as I said, I going into this one, until Kyle told me, I didn't know that there was a sequel to Night of the Demons. Um, there's a third one, and then there is a, a remake uh, starring one Edward Furlong from the oh. year 2009. Ooh. Uh, you also have a Diora Baird and Shannon Elizabeth in there as well. Diora Baird, uh, really? I know. Yeah, shocker. Uh, she was a very busy gal in the in the mid to late two thousands, man. Yeah. Like she was everywhere. She was even on Two and a Half Men, if memory serves. Um, but yeah, there was a, a, apparently a remake in two thousand nine that uh, three the third entry in the series and the remake uh, got some shit reviews. I'm not surprised, but this one I was actually pretty surprised. I, I thought it was fine like it's it's a pretty all right movie and from like an effects standpoint there's really only a couple of moments where it like it it shows its seams like like it it's mostly a pretty handsome production um but yeah we're at this academy we're introduced to christine taylor and uh, a, a trio of gals uh, who kind of serve as like early protagonists in the story there's a bb um, who may as well be our, our final gal, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christy Harris is the actress, uh, apparently. Most of the cast here, like, I, I didn't dig I didn't dig very deep, but it looks like most of these people are soap opera and or prolific television actors. Uh, in her case, she's a soap opera actress for the most part. I was going to say, but, uh, our, our main, one of our main girls, I was like, either she went into softcore pornography after this or she did softcore pornography before this uh the the bad girl basically oh you mean uh we couldn't afford firuza balk and it yeah. was a, li- oh. a few years too early <laughs> there's a few we couldn't afford in this movie uh <laughs> oh pff, yeah <laughs> and then some yeah but yeah i got that vibe from her uh her acting is mm-hmm. uh not great dude she has the the deadest eyes the coldest eyes yeah like a doll's <laughs> eyes uh also the the priest also i was looking at the priest i'm like he used to do softcore porn he looks like it yeah it, uh, he, it's a it's the grooming yeah it's a it's a signal to the rest of the world like it, it's like he is tanned his his hair his facial hair is is it's oiled it's trimmed like yeah. he is signaling to the world I, I I have got it on in front of a camera. He's for like, pay. I, he's like, I will fuck in a parked car somewhere. Yeah, he definitely has that vibe. <laughs> Father Bob. Father Bob. Yeah, Father Bob. Cool, yeah. Father Bob. Yeah, he did not take his vows seriously. Um, yeah, the, the other one is. Uh, I was saying that she is a perfect mixture. Mouse is a perfect mixture of Lori Petty and Courtney Cox. Like if you just to mash their faces together. Yeah, that, I'll I'll go with that. That's yeah. that's pretty accurate. Um, she uh she kind of she's supposed to be very important to the plot, but she's mostly just she's like a MacGuffin almost. She's just yeah. like an object passed between parties. Uh, she has very little dialogue. She's just 
a mousy gal. Uh, mm-hmm. They usually call her mouse in the film, and and she's apparently Angela's sister. Um, and uh, we actually get a kind of a cool nightmare sequence uh, that shows off some of the effects work uh, when uh, the nun comes in and like forces a lights out situation for all the gals, and a mouse has a nightmare and. Uh, Angela in demon form, basically what you see on the cover to all of these movies, like looking like that, shows up at her bed and refers to her as sis. So like immediately mm-hmm. within the first ten minutes of the film, it's like, oh, they're sisters. Um, and she like tears part of uh, her uh, mouse's jaw off, and it's pretty gruesome. And then she like eats it in front of her. I'm like, fuck, yeah. that's hardcore. <laughs> kind of like that. Um, but what's the next thing that jumped out at you, Kyle, if uh, anything? <laughs> I think the, the the priest and the nun talking about the uh, Halloween dance. And he's, like, threatening to, he's like, well, would you like to go get your malaria shots and go to, like, South America or some shit like that? And she's like, no, I'd rather stay here. He's like, well, then you better make this Halloween dance great or whatever it is. I'm like, first of all, Catholic school, not having a Halloween dance. Catholic Catholic school where the troubled kids are going, they're not getting a dance. So absolutely not. Uh, I do like so we get like a that scream kind of that scream moment where the girls are standing out like sitting outside smoking and talking, uh, and the nun comes up and goes stop that gossip and I'm like uh, it's a Catholic school I'm pretty sure that's all anybody in a church a Catholic church does is gossip. I mean that's all they got. Yeah. <laughs> They're not as holy as us. Let's talk about that. Um, yeah, but yeah, over the course of that gossip, they they disclose that a uh, mouse. Uh, is relations to Angela and uh, their parents like committed suicide on like Halloween night a few years ago or something. Jesus. Af- after Mouse got a a gruesome Halloween card from her recently deceased sister. So there's some demon shit going on in that family. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, then we get the a, nothing really happens the first half of this movie, um, but it is oddly sexual throughout the entire film. I was not expecting that. It's a very that. horny movie. It's, it's a yeah. very horny movie, yeah. and it's. I'm not gonna lie, Kyle. Like there, there is some nostalgia that comes with with this particular vibe for this particular type of movie. Okay, like this because uh, this was pre-internet, man. This was 1994. This mm-hmm. was when late night TNT and the USA Network were were a young boy's best friend. It's like yes. just the. Yeah, it's just the, the, the promise of just a look at something mm-hmm. was enough to get you ling- to linger on that channel for a oh. few minutes longer than you ought to. Oh, yeah, I was watching this. I'm like, you know what? If I had watched this when I was younger, I could have made this work, you know? Uh, so, some of the stuff in yeah, here. I could, yeah, I, I could have made it through that movie. could have made it through that <laughs> I could have found reasons to stick but, around. But the movie kind of is set up like a porno. Like, that's kind of how these scenes kind of tie together. Yeah, the first hour, the first 50 minutes of this movie are, the structure, there there is no, like, explicit sex scenes or anything, but there's a lot of imagery. There's Mm. a lot of of scenarios that the characters find themselves in that if you were to film a couple of additional scenes and restructure the edit a little bit this totally would just be a, a horror porn yeah yeah which is which is fine it's like it as it stands this movie does actually have like a full frontal shot yeah um during during that peeping tom sequence yeah um, but yeah would... there's there's a lot of scenarios that feel kind of like the copy machines broke and like, yeah. it's like we better call the repairman with the giant dong i was i was completely <laughs> uh uh, I was yeah, I was completely thrown off by the full frontal. I'm just like, oh, they're going to show boobers. And then I'm like, oh, God, there's Bush. We're getting boobs and Bush. 
Uh, yeah, I started to type in my notes like like boobers, and then I had to back it up and just say, "Oh, all that's of everything." It. We get the full. We get the <laughs> all of it. We get the full basic instinct in here. They they had to ease into that in basic instinct. They're like, "No, no, 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 no! You're getting it here." Well, again, it's like you got to get them fast, guys. Yeah. You got you to grab them quick, otherwise they might flip the channel or something. <laughs> but it's false advertising, Trevor, because you're going you're going boobs and bush in the first five minutes, and then it's like we get like one more boobs, and then we get some weird boobs later. But yeah, they kind of false advertising. Yeah, there is precedent for that in this series. Like that, I obviously I haven't seen the rest of the series, but the first film did have some. Uh, uh, like horror like sexual horror crossover going on like mm-hmm. the, in particular there's a a sequence involving boobers just like mm-hmm. in this film that's just like i i hope my dick didn't move for that because <laughs> I, I, I don't want it to that's not good no. uh, yeah. <laughs> that cannot be replicated in real life with any sort of regularity so no stay put <laughs> um yeah so i guess we should i should just talk about uh Bobby Jacoby, I've just been calling him Rex, um, but he, <laughs> he, uh, I guess is he's obsessed with the paranormal or demons or sub something. He's like the Catholic Church need to recognize that this is like a legitimate thing, uh, and he's got like his occult book. Um, the main bad girl, she steals the occult book from him while they're standing in line to get into school. I guess, um, but I guess that's kind of a thread in this movie, I suppose. Uh, we get some classroom stuff, and then we get the basketball scene. You want to talk about the basketball scene? Yeah, uh, tits on the tennis court. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, uh, we have two dudes. Uh, we have Kurt and Johnny, mm-hmm. who I'm about ninety five percent certain is like an explicit nod to Johnny Lawrence from the Karate Kid films, the Billy Zabka character. Mm. Sweep the leg, motherfucker. Yeah. Um, because he, he uh, Johnny with them kicks, man. Like, Johnny is so quick to bust out them kicks in this movie. That's like his sole contribution to this film is that shitty mullet, and he gets to kick some people mm-hmm. and some doors uh, ineffectively. Um, but yeah, Kurt is kind of the, the resident horn dog. I mean, both of them are. They were both uh, snooping on the sorority gals. Like, yeah. not sorority, but like the gals across the way with their binoculars. Uh, but Kurt's the one that he's like more aggressive than Johnny, and uh, he has this exchange with uh, Shirley is the name of the character. She's kind of our our bad girl among among our trio of of gals. Um, he says, "My name's Kurt. The ladies call me King Snake." Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a lot of choice lines like that in this film. This is what we're getting at when we say the first hour of this movie feels like a lot of setups and not not significant payoffs that you would find in a softcore porn yeah um she she retorts with i hear they call you inchworm um and then he he checks a basketball at her across the tennis court and she catches it between her knees Mm -hmm. and just stands there like that for the duration of this conversation The, the blocking of it is truly bizarre but long story short this results in him trying to take the ball and the two of them like wrestling like on the tennis court yeah and at one at one point shirley calls out i got your ball and they're just kind of like flipping and flopping over each other on the tennis court and then a nun shows up and uh she's like knock that shit off yeah (laughs) she shuts it down but the basketball so uh, there it looks like they were playing basketball but now they're like 
pl- they're like playing a game of playing basketball where they're like talking about Larry Bird try- taking it down to the paint. Blah, blah, blah. But they're like it, they're on a sidewalk underneath a gazebo basically. And that's yeah. yeah. I'm like, what are you guys even doing? It's like it's like a hanging garden that yeah. they're they're traipsing through with, with as they're playing basketball, and they're all they're all sweaty and and they're all like you know hanging out together like bros. But Perry actually, uh, Melvin, uh, he does confront them. He's like, why'd you take my book? Yeah, my demonology book. We didn't take <laughs> your the book, fuck? nerd. Yeah. And I actually kind of like the dialogue here. It's actually it's pretty snappy actually because like. They say like, yeah, I didn't take your book, and then Johnny actually backs Kurt up, and he's like, yeah, he can barely read. He, he says he can barely read it. He can't even read a clock. And Kurt's like, thanks. And he's like, yeah, sure. It's like, see, he can't read. He's okay with it. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Um, and then we get some. Let's see here. Halloween party set up. I guess they're like, why well, we going to set up the stuff for this Halloween party? We don't even get to go to. And like, I'm. Okay, I don't even yeah, know. That's their punishment, punishment. for okay. uh, groping each other on the tennis court. Yeah. Uh, and then Rex just kind of conjures a demon for a minute. Like, he's just kind of by himself. Uh, it's kind of a nice moment, actually. Uh, it. I like the one shot from the side when the, when the camera, like, dollies over and we get some, like, flashing effects of, of Angela, like, sliding sideways through the mirror into mm. his face. We linger on it a little bit too long, but that initial, like, moment when she jumps out is actually pretty well done. I kind of liked it. But, yeah, he, like, does, like, a, a ritual in front of a mirror in uh, the sacristy? I don't know Catholic shit, Kyle. No, neither do I. Yeah, no, neither would you. But um, anyway, uh, Father Bob, he's not happy about that. But um, yeah, basically we're setting a situation up where basically all of our main characters are denied access to the Halloween party. So they go off to like do their own party, mm. essentially. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're going to go do their own party, and bro. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is why I had guy playing priest. Looks like he used to do porn. Uh, then we get some... <laughs> Some van stuff with the the handsome hunk, uh, the snake guy, and he's yeah. making out with the the one girl. What's her name again? What's her name? Shirley. Shirley. That is not the that is not the character name I would have picked for her. Uh, maybe this is why they're all here. They're all super horny. It's like wait, you guys are too horny for regular school. We got to send you to, <laughs> to Catholic school. This is ridiculous. That that'll that'll teach them to not be horny. Uh, <laughs> Um, so yeah, so she's, they're kind of making out and, uh, this is a weird scene. They're just kind of like making out and she's like, no, we're not going to do this. You're fucking gross, dude. Uh, by the way, here's your invitation to the Halloween party tonight. Bring those other people. I'm like, okay. Maybe this is like a, a ploy, like on the, on the, on the part of the production, like, like, like a, when are we going to get to the fireworks factory type scenario, but done deliberately. So where it's like. We're gonna continually tease you mm-hmm. with 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 banging, mm-hmm. but th- there will be no banging until eighty minutes into this fucker. Yeah, you guys. But gonna... we're gonna keep letting you know that it it's gonna happen. Yeah. Just just stick around. Don't don't change that dial. <laughs> uh, and then we get the girls just kind of talking about stuff again. Did you catch any of the dialogue through here? Because I was not listening to what oh, they were saying. Oh, th- there's a good th- three to five minutes here that. It contribute absolutely nothing. The song in the background is oddly compelling. I couldn't tell you a single lyric from it, but there's there's like something about the vibe of it that makes me kind of want to go back and give it a listen or something. But uh, long story short, uh, here's where I mean we it was teased earlier that among our trio of gals, uh, BB is the most virtuous. 
um, because she was like the one among them who was not relentlessly teasing Mouse and was like, hey, like maybe we should ease off, like not be such shit heels to her all the time. Um, and sh- she's like prepared to abide by by the ruling of the nun, where it's just like, I'm not supposed to go to the Halloween party. I'm supposed to stay in the dorm. And she's like going to do that. But then Christine Taylor and, and uh, Shirley, they say like, no, don't be a lame And uh, Mouse offers her a dress. And uh, anyway, long story short, Shirley invites them to the same party that she was inviting Kurt uh, to, uh, a.k.a. Kingsnake. <laughs> um, so she's like gathering everybody to go to this other party, not not the one on campus. Um, and it's around this time that uh, her ride, uh, Shirley's ride, to get everybody to the party rolls up in, in like a, a classic hot rod, basically. And uh, that's not Kurt in the driver's seat. <laughs> no. Uh, it that is was such a dick move. <laughs> he's such a dirtbag. Uh, he's from, he's like, where do you go to school? He's like, oh, I go to the school of hard knockers. I'm like, you fucking loser. Yeah, nothing cooler than a guy not in high school picking up high schoolers to go party. I mean, that is one of the saddest images that I can think of in this moment. Like, it, that truly is sad when you think about it. Um, but, yeah, he does have a line. His name is Rick, by the way. He's her, he's her new dude, or always was her dude, and she just kind of fucks around with whoever she can get in the meantime. But yeah. uh, he gets everybody to pile into the car, so all the gals um, and uh, Kurt and Johnny, they come with them. And uh, he says, Christ, I don't want to be doing time for hauling jailbait. Let's go. It's like, well, fuck <laughs> Like, that that is a scumbag. You should not be referring to underage women or underage girls as jailbait. <laughs> I mean, like in all honesty, Kyle, what does a man of his age range or my age range especially have to talk to a seventeen-year-old woman about? <laughs> like, I have no interest in spending time with teenagers. Uh, the only thing that you should be discussing with a 17-year-old girl, Trevor, is um, how good your grandmother's cooking is because she's your cousin. That's the only yeah, time you yeah, need to be talking really, to. Really, it's just like I, I can't even think of like any any desirable scenario that I'd want to associate with teenagers in, at, at this point in my life. Hey, Drake, take notes, dude. Uh, <laughs> oh! Burn! <laughs> yeah, no, he'll, it'll happen eventually. Um... So, uh, so yeah, we get uh, the other dirt bag from PCU uh, with the wor- his hair. Can we talk about his hair? His hair decision. He looks like he got his ass beat by Bodie in Point Break. Uh, that's the that's the hairstyle <laughs> he's got right now. It is is it dreaded a little bit because he's got long blonde hair up in a ponytail. Sides are shaved at a zero. Um, so he looks like a surfer guy basically. But is it dreaded a little bit or is it just curly? I think it's just knotted, like it's it's gnarled. So borderline dreaded. It's just you know, give it give it a couple weeks, maybe it'll get there. But it's it's on its way. But yeah, he looks like I don't know Alex Winter from The Lost Boys got a swirly and so <laughs> and just like let it hang out that way for a few weeks or something. <laughs> so yeah, they're going to Whole House, and I was like, wait, did they say Hell House? And I'm like, for some reason, of all things, when I think of Hell House. Chris Kattan in the haunting on or the is it the haunting on Hill House haunting at Hill House the ninety nine yes yeah. yeah Chris Kattan in that movie um just came screaming back to me I'm like oh, I gotta rewatch that I gotta I gotta go back and check that one out I've been saying that for a long time uh, Scream Factory uh, put out a Blu-ray of it a while ago uh, that and Thirteen Ghosts uh, mm. those are both uh, like 
late 90s early 2000s era horror movies that i actually would like to go back and check out ghost uh, ships because i i like ghost ship i'm i'm I, I don't have much attachment to, but then again, I never finished it. I just remember the opening moments of it because everybody remembers the opening moments of it, but I never finished it. But Haunting of, haunting on Hill House, like that, or House on Haunted Hill, rather, um, that one that one I remember being pretty good. I, I seem to recall it ending very poorly, like like when you get to like the heart of the, the phenomenon in the house, it was just like, okay, they ran out of ideas. But everything up till then was pretty cool, like especially the... Uh, the flashback to like when everything went to shit that was the the pencils man that was legit the pencils that was that was tasty yeah <laughs> um so yeah they're gonna go they they got to whole house man we were just like just cruising through this one dude because there's not much that happens until we get to the whole house um <laughs> we get again so i think we get a flashback to the dance where the nuns like leave a little room for the holy ghost like she's like got that's her, her catchphrase yeah. Yeah. yeah she says it a few times and this is where the evil dead cam kicked in i'm like oh yeah that is it that is sam raimi's evil dead cam 100 percent. yeah uh that was very apparent in the first film so i wasn't surprised to see it rear its ugly head here as well that was actually one of my biggest complaints about the first film i i i could be wrong but i i almost feel like i like this one better to be honest i feel i feel like this one has more momentum to it because it does take a very long time to get rolling but once it goes like it it keeps going like a lot of a lot of cool shit happens uh there's a body count which is like one of my biggest complaints about the first one is that there's some phenomenal makeup effects in that first one in the first night of the demons they just don't do very much with it like there's some very good shots like they know their way around a lighting kit like they have dolly tracks they know how to use it there's production values it's just so much of that movie is just people running from one room to another and basically the equivalent of like power rangers putty patrol people going and then nothing happens they just like run away and then they go to the next room and then they run away and then someone gets turned into a demon and they run away from that demon it just persists it's very it's a very obnoxious formula whereas this one at least has a body count going for it and the effects are up to the same standard as the first one for the most part. Um, but yeah, the, the compositing on the house when they first arrive is, is rough, man. Like, like it's, it's like low quality, like JPEG image where you can like see the tree line, like cut out. Like you can see, like there's like a white halo around the trees and whatnot. And then the blasted sky behind the, the house. is just like, Ooh, not Ooh. great but that, there's only a couple of shots in the whole movie if you ask me that are actually like truly raggedy and uh yeah that would be one of them <laughs> yeah it it's really the the script that's the problem like they just we're not spending enough time with our practical effects we're doing too much chipper jabber um i do like rick is spray painting the pentagram up on the wall and then uh uh shirley comes down and goes jesus rick this paint sucks and I'm like, what, what does that have to do with anything? So in, in between scenes, uh, there was these like black droplets coming down from the wall that she mm. thought were because of the shitty spray paint, but it was actually like the de- demonic influence in the building. Um, by the way, nice masking job on that spray paint. Because <laughs> like, if you look at the the pentagram that she spray painted, it has these like clean just like perfect lines it's like no that's that was there before you got there miss Correct. <laughs> like, yeah. um and then they pull out it's like you got the cat he's like yeah pull out the cat and they're just like 
licking a knife and like here's the sacrifice blah, 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 blah. like they're not actually licking the knife but it's like it's that kind of scene but they're both really loving on this kitty i'm like why would you love on the kitty and then want to kill kitty like you would you know you wouldn't be nice to kitty before you kill kitty yeah i mean be honest with the kitty yeah let him know that this is not gonna have a good ending for him um well and what's funny is they, they don't do anything with the kitty anyway and no. when we learn the nature of that knife later on yeah apparently there was no plans to do anything with that kitty so somebody rick had to run his ass to the pet store buy a cat put the cat in the bag that's not easy by the way i I think i think that they've got kind of a weird fetish that they're playing out right now i think they're role-playing i think this is their thing because it feels like role-playing as it goes on I feel like that was a little bit of a thing in the mid-90s because, Mm. like, we have these waves in this country of, you know, demonic and, like, witchcraft stuff being in the mainstream and being, like, having a finger pointed at as being, like, a very bad influence on the children and whatnot. But, like, a lot of these movies try to, like, have their cake and eat it, too, where they center their content around that stuff, that kind of taboo stuff, but then they also simultaneously, like point to it as being a bad idea or or not altogether believable or something along those lines because like the craft kind of has that vibe to it where it's like yeah like witchcraft is a thing you probably shouldn't monkey with it and like uh, i think uh pumpkin head 2 which this film actually gave me some vibes of mm-hmm. um has some stuff with that where there's actually a, a character i think it's the soleil Moonfry. i think like her character has flirtations with the darkness and she's teased about it occasionally in the film. <laughs> it's like, yeah, she's full of shit. Pumpkinhead, uh, on the other hand, he's the genuine article. <laughs> uh, you used a term, uh, have your cake and eat it too, uh, which is taking on... Now I have like a, a flash to uh, a series now anytime I hear that. So like when you hear, when I hear all along the watchtower, I immediately think of Forrest Gump when they're walking through Vietnam. Or you hear bad to the bone, you obviously think of Terminator 2. When I hear people say have your cake and eat it too, I think about True Detective. And if you need to jog your memory, um, I will tell you off air <laughs> exactly uh, what that refers to. But every time I hear it now, it's just like, oh, Woody Harrelson. Uh, yeah. So, ah, yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I get it now. You got it now? You there? You there? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I got it, Kyle. <laughs> uh, now, since I've got you here, Trevor, um, we've got this, uh, <laughs> we've got this uh, bed scene, which... <laughs> Steph had to look up and say, that's disgusting. She's like, I would never do that. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, but the sheets are satin, Steph. I mean, come on. He's definitely put in, you know, a lot of time and effort on this. She's like, yeah, no, absolutely not. Um, our couple, and this is which guy with the mullet? Johnny. Johnny and BB. Uh, yeah. He's just like, check it out, BB, a bed with uh, with like sheets on it and stuff. And it's, she's kind of like, in, she's into it. She's like, oh, is how is this kind of romantic? <laughs> <laughs> Looks like she actually she verbalizes that she says this is so romantic and I was yeah. just like <laughs> my god no it's not romantic. standards lady get them yeah well she's yeah she's a Catholic well, yeah <clears throat> yeah I mean she's sheltered and she has been shown to be you know kind of that way but um, the setup though is it again has that kind of porno vibe oh to for it sure. They, this is a smelly, dingy, haunted house full of cobwebs and whatnot, and they just, like, abscond off to this other room that happens to have all these candles lit in it. Like, it's purely lit by candlelight, and it has the bed from the haunting, not with the child statues that go, no, 
but with like the spiky things hanging over the ceiling and whatnot. And he just he just like Goldilocks is that shit where he's mm-hmm. like, oh, this is someone else's bed. I should just hop in it and start banging this girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that seems okay to me. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes total now, sense. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, uh, uh, no red flags uh, went up at the sight of lit candles in a different room that no one that you're with has been in as of yet. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, at this part, uh, we get uh, Zed Boy. Uh, he comes and scares the shit out of Mouse, and she has to. He ends up scaring her so bad that she goes into the house. Uh, and he's just being, you know, a 90s creep, just a weird guy. He gets creepier as it goes along, don't worry. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then my favorite, I think my favorite shot of the film is things are starting to get hot and heavy uh, with uh, the mullet BB. guy. B- yeah, BB, yeah, BB and Johnny. Uh, to where he is uh, really getting into it, and he pulls out a condom, and then he rips the packet open like a goddamn grenade. <laughs> He's about to get it going. <laughs> it's the least sexual thing that you can do is rip the condom off and spit the <laughs> spit the thing out. Yeah, pretty great. Yeah, he he was in a hurry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we don't have much uh, time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he's young too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> But that I wouldn't be surprised if that was like a, a censorship thing or something where it's like you, you have to have him attempt to to wear protection. And not that they really get anywhere with this. Like thankfully, like they do get naked, they do like smooch and like he does like kiss her, your tummy and whatnot. But foreplay. No, yeah. as soon as the condom comes out, there's a disturbance and she takes off and he's left <sighs> making a very sad face. <laughs> Nobody gets to come in this movie. It's really disappointing. Um, oh, I'm pretty sure Johnny finished. Like, like he looks like the type that would just like. Oh, I was I got done. A minute. I got. I got a minute. Yeah, I was nearly there. I mean, honestly, yeah. It's like, well, I'm already here. <laughs> well, um, yeah. So they heard uh, mouse screaming downstairs. Uh, so they they go down to inspect and see what's going on. Um, and they're, I guess he was playing a joke. Uh, but Shirley says, uh, like, "This is not a funny joke." And Shirley's like, "What are you, the joke inspector?" Which, another good line. The jerk store called. They're all out of you. Um, yeah, so the scenario here is uh, Shirley was very keen on getting Mouse uh, into the house. Uh, and she, a uh, Mouse that is, uh, completely refused. In fact, she was shrieking in the car when they pulled up the whole house. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet they still went in, which I guess they're you know, dumbass teenagers, like, I can't put it past them, I guess, they, they wouldn't know any better, but when a girl is shrieking in the car about, I can't be here, maybe listen, um, but yeah, as Kyle said, uh, Z-Boy, um, the creepy looking 90s punker dude, he scares her into the house, and then, uh, he and Rick and Shirley, they all, like, uh, fasten her to a gurney, and look like they're going to ritually sacrifice her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at this point, Christine Taylor and Kurt, uh, aka Kingsnake, um, have like paired off. So we we have all these pairings going on. But um, they walk into this situation just as it looks like Shirley's gonna stab a Mouse, who's strapped to this gurney. Um, and then Kurt actually intercedes. So it's like, oh hey, Kurt, Kurt's got his head on straight. Yeah. Um, and then. Uh, he is stabbed instead in place of mouse but then over the over the series of a, a couple of cuts we discover oh the it's a retractable fake knife um so apparently it was all a, a play for whatever the fuck reason 
um, just for their own amusement, apparently. Um, but it's around this time that the Sam Raimi cam uh, invades the space. It's basically just, if you're not familiar with the, what this looks like, it basically looks like the camera getting a full head of steam and running into somebody mm-hmm. uh, from across the room. So the camera charges into the room, and I think it like passes by Rick most closely. But um, everybody starts commenting about something smelling like Godzilla's anus. Um, mm-hmm. They start talking about some sort of stench, and uh, Mouse actually sees like an apparition in the form of the demonic Angela from the cover art, um, and she leaves in her wake a puddle of black goo with maggots in it. Um, and at this point, I got to applaud these kids. Uh, the decision is made. Yeah, this place is fucking weird. Let's get out. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, Christine Taylor is like, I got to take a whiz first. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's so bizarre. It's almost like they had like a couple extra bucks in the effects budget or something. And they're just like, can we just get like one more gag in there? Like before they leave, can like somebody go to the toilet and can we put a head in that toilet? Mm-hmm. Like just just for my own just for my own amusement. <laughs> so yeah, before they leave, she has to go take a piss. A lot of peeing this month. A lot of women peeing. A lot of women peeing yeah. this month. Very strange. Yeah, you're you're right. Jason goes to hell had two, two instances. Pees. Two two, two pees. pees. Uh, yeah, I don't remember any peeing in the Deadly Spawn. I don't think there's any peeing in Underworld. Yeah, we got I, three peas in four movies. Call me Larry Flint this month. I am picking all the pee movies. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that, folks. Uh, uh, I'm going to keep calling him Zed Boy for our Canadian listeners, listeners uh, just so, so that they are able to follow along. Uh, so yeah, said boy goes to pee. Uh, he's doing some great pee acting. Great pee acting. Um, he's peeing on the wall, and he, there's like a shadow that goes behind him. Uh, he's like, oh shit. Uh, hey, wait up! Like he's like gonna go have sex. Hey, he's even, I don't even think he knows who it is. He's just like, oh, a lady. I'm gonna go have sex with her now. Yeah, it's a vaguely feminine shadow. Yeah, and that's enough. That's enough <laughs> for him. <laughs> yeah, it's like, dude, you didn't even like shake off the piss, and you're already zipping up and running around the corner. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least he's done with his pee. Uh, speaking of which, I've said pee five times. I have to go pee now. <laughs> so yeah, this is uh, this, this is where Zed Boy uh, gets tongued by Angela. It's pretty gross. Yeah, so he rounds the corner and he chases the shadow of Angela up a staircase and then she goes, blah! Yeah. And by the way, it needs to be said, the demon voice for Angela and most of the demons in this, uh, it is not Frank Welker. However, it may as well be Frank Welker. Um, I actually did check the credits. It is not him, but it's doing its best impression. Um, but she spooks him and then he uh, falls ass over tea kettle uh, down the staircase and uh, she smooches him uh, she puts her gnarly demon tongue down his throat and turns his eyes green. And then we cut back to them after a fashion, and it looks like they're dry humping. Oh, they're banging. There's full insertion, dude. They, they are, they are yeah. after it. I, I, yeah, I thought I saw like his midriff exposed, as in his, his belt was around his thighs yeah. or something yeah no they were in they were into it uh there, get, there's a lot of that in this movie where it's like we're being naughty for the sake of being naughty yeah and and you know there is most certainly an audience for that especially you know in 1994 you know teenage audiences and whatnot this this stuff was somewhat hard to find so like any <laughs> instance of this was like precious to to people that would seek this sort of thing out yeah uh I, both the movies i picked also have uh tonguing um, evil tonguing, basically. Evil tonguing, yeah. yeah. More specifically, evil tonguing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, he bangs her. Uh, actually, I think she banged him. Uh, but yeah, no, she she's doing the work. Yeah, 
But uh, they were going to head back to the dance, and I was getting a kick out of these people are dancing up a storm at this Halloween bash. Uh, the most the most enjoyment comes from seeing how offbeat everyone is. Like it, very clearly, the music that's in the final film is not what was being played on the set that day, if anything, because mm-hmm. a lot of times scenes like this are shot without any sort of soundtrack, honestly. But um, yeah, by the way, on the ride to Whole House, we get not quite Motley Crew. Um, <laughs> there's there's a lot of instances in this movie of not quite band that you know type music. Mm. Um, but yeah, our heroes uh, pack into the car, minus Z-Boy, um, and they drive away, and uh, as Kyle had said, we cut back to the campus party, and here we, we have uh, what I called not-quite-toto uh, music playing, um, and uh, this is where uh, Perry, where Melvin from Tremors, uh, tattles on everybody, and uh, goes to tell the nun. Uh, about where everyone, where all the people who were supposed to be locked in their dorms uh, went off to. Uh, she's not happy to hear about that. And as soon as she and Perry exit the party, um, somebody notices it and they pull out a boombox and they crank the metal, mm-hmm. um, which which changes the vibe in the room. And you can tell it's like all the kids are happy that the chaperone's not there anymore. Um, and we cut back to the car and we get not quite Van Halen. <laughs> and uh, this is where we get an important prop um, that apparently BB found a, a lipstick uh, mm-hmm. container uh, at Whole House, and she like pocketed it like absentmindedly, and uh, Shirley takes it from her in the car, so she now has possession of it. And there's also lip service paid to the fact that there's a uh, underground river that prevents the demons from that house from escaping the grounds. Um, so basically. Uh, keep an eye on this lipstick thing it's going to be important later by the way in the original film there was a giant brick wall um that prevented like anybody from leaving the house um it was a physical prop that was actually interacted with uh by the main cast uh, but here we get an underground river so we couldn't even afford uh location scouting for an actual river <laughs> Um, yeah, so then we got the dancing, and uh, Shirley is kind of dancing with Rick, and she's like, I gotta go freshen up or whatever, you stay here, and he's just like, no problem, babe, and just starts like dancing with some other chick immediately. Uh, he's a real yeah. he's a real scumbag. Um, but yeah, so this is where Shirley's putting on the lipstick, and then the lipstick like, like tongues her mouth or something, like goes in her mouth, and then she drops it, and then we get this practical effect of... It's like a lipstick worm just kind of inching out of the lipstick. And then it it's a just, little bit phallic. Yeah. Just a little bit phallic. Yeah. It looks like a Slim Jim. Yeah. So it just, you know, again, this is the st- two movies I picked this month. A, f- a thing going up a lady. Uh, yeah. That happens in this movie, too. I don't know why. Why did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Like, like, like we said at the top, folks. Um, Kyle and I pick these movies just based on the cover. Like we didn't do research. Like I didn't even know this movie existed yeah, until I've Kyle never, I've pointed never seen out. This. Yeah, I had seen uh, Deadly Spawn and Jason Goes to Hell uh, prior to this, but Jason Goes to Hell wasn't my pick. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, it just so happens that we have uh, two different movies where, uh, yeah, a foreign object <laughs> in- invades uh, a-, a woman's orifice. Two movies with Evil Dead re- references. Jesus. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, the vibe of certain parts of Jason Goes to Hell very, very explicitly. There, it's riffing on on Evil Dead um, yeah. in this film also. 
Um, but yeah, so uh, Ed goes up there, and I guess it possesses Shirley. I guess that's the, the thing. Um, and she goes back downstairs to the dance party, and she just starts like dancing to this music. And it is not music that you dance to, but they are dancing to it. They're having a great time. Dance, 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 dance. Yeah, what was the, the band, Kyle? I think yeah, you mentioned so- them. So what hap- So what had happened was, uh, hmm. so Shirley's down there doing her dance, and then the music changes because Angela comes into the room, and Morbid Angel starts playing. Now, Morbid Angel were from the late '80s, early '90s, um, thrash, uh, death metal from the Florida scene. A band like Cannibal Corpse was very big. This was also one of the big bands to come from that scene. If you remember um, Cannibal Corpse. They were the band that Ace Ventura was listening to uh, when he asked, is Greg there? Thank you. Um, but yeah, I was listening to this. I'm like, this is a band. I'm like, I'm like, this is on the tip of my tongue. I'm like, ah, come on. It's not Cannibal Corpse because I know, I know Cannibal Corpse. I'm like, who is this? And I'm like, Morbid Angel. There it is. I thought this was going to turn into a strip tease. And honestly, I would have been fine with that. I think that we d- we we deserve that in this movie. We earned that. We earned that. <laughs> Because this movie is one big cock tease, honestly. Uh, we just never get there, dude. We have to put like an explicit on this one. It's just like, hey, this is a raunchy one that we're talking about today. Well, it's not our also, fault. Also, it's just, it's just like a. I swear, we're not bad people. We're not <laughs> a disclaimer. Yeah, we're not bad like, people. We try really hard to not be bad people. Six of the six of six of the nine Supreme Court justices are bad people. We are not bad people. Yeah, we we're not bad people as far as I know. Like it's we just watch bad movies. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> a lot you, of bad movies. Sometimes you just get some bad ones. This is we're trying to have fun with what we've got. Yeah, and for what it's worth, this movie does seem like it has a sense of fun about it. Like yeah. it doesn't have the vibe of like a, a rough production where people were like pissed off all the time like it's it seems like there were some laughs on the set from yeah. what i can tell uh but this 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 scene is pretty wild um <laughs> but yeah so the nun comes in and i mean this is a nun's worst nightmare we've got children just you know dancing and dry humping to satan music it's like her her little thing her little head thing's about to fly off and she's gonna have a heart attack uh, yeah, this, Kyle. I need to. I need to ask. Do you have a, a death metal voice? Like, can you do that? Oh no, dude, no. Uh, if you want, I want to send you. I'm going to send you. Uh, I'm going to shout out Cannibal Corpse again, real quick. Uh, the guy who took over, I think his name was Chris Barnes, was the original uh, frontman from Cannibal Corpse, um, and he's the one that you see in Ace Ventura. Um, okay, but he left the he left that band to uh, form Six Feet Under, which I'm not a fan of him as the front man. Their front man now and who took over after him, his name is Corpse Grinder, and this dude you can recognize immediately because his neck is the size of a ten, or is a five gallon bucket. Like it is just a <laughs> huge neck. Um, but he's awesome, and he every uh, so when they're on, when they're touring. Uh, and I think he just does this throughout the year in general. Uh, he always goes to Target and he buys he buys toys with his money, and then he gives them to Toys for Tots. He's actually a pretty great, dude. That's super cool. Um, <laughs> however, one of the other members of Cannibal Corpse uh, several years ago was busted with like a thousand rounds of ammunition, several automatic weapons or semi-automatic weapons, and I think a few human skulls. 
I think there was some meth going on in that house. Um, he's no longer affiliated with the band. Yeah, as I said, I, I, Kyle and I are not bad people. <laughs> <laughs> um, by the way, we need to do more, uh, I don't know, 90s movies or movies that deal with soundtracks or, or bands that that you're particularly invested in or familiar with because I, I always enjoy hearing about all this kind of stuff. You're welcome. So we so we need to do we need to do more mid '90s cinema is what I'm getting at. On it. Yeah, <laughs> that's. I mean, that's not that's not a hard pitch, honestly. But no. But yeah, uh, we we had uh, one shocking sequence involving a, a lady, uh, and specifically female female anatomy, uh, and uh, it's only natural that we have to follow that up with another one uh, here at the here at the dance party here. So, uh, as Kyle had said, we have Morbid Angel, the dulcet tones of Morbid Angel. Dulcet tones. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, playing over a uh, not-quite-striptease um, and a like, strobe light show where uh, Angela and Shirley are, are cutting a rug on the dance floor. And uh, Shirley, uh, demonic Shirley, because she got green eyes, you know, something's up. Um, she uh, approaches Rick on the dance floor. And uh, she kind of like undoes her blouse a little bit, not all the way, but mostly. Um, and holy shit, this is like a, a shockingly good effect, and, right? And it's gnar- it's gnarly too. It's like, gnar. it, like it catches you off guard, and it's like that looked really good, and that that is some fucked up shit. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like it's honestly, I don't know that I've seen that before, um, nor do I believe I ever will. Um, so. Shirley's breasts uh, from her chest uh, and we get a close-up shot from from a pretty good angle um, a pair of hands shoot out from within her chest and like stretch the flesh of her breasts mm-hmm. uh, in into hand shapes and grasps Rick's hand and starts to melt his hand and it like, I cannot stress enough how how effective this this uh makeup effect is like it it, it's shocking and it's really well done Mm -hmm. um it's a truly bizarre moment but it's it's effective but yeah uh, rick starts screaming because his hand is melting Mm -hmm. uh, from the the boob hands or hand boobs hand boobs Uh, however you want hand boobs there you go (laughs) um but yeah uh rick is uh taken down after his hand is melted uh she steven seagal's him uh, she gets behind him and snaps his neck, um, and then all the kids are sent off to go to the chapel. Uh, and uh, John, Johnny, oh, go ahead. Did you hear how they were sent to the chapel by Rex? Get did, to the chapel. Get to the chapel. Yeah. Get to the chapel. It, yeah. It's it, it is most most certainly a nod to Predator. Like it it, it feels like get to the chapel. Um, um, get to the yeah. chapel. Get to the chapel. <laughs> Um, yeah, so there, we get this van scene. I don't know if you ever saw the movie Idle Hands with Devin Sawa and Jessica Alba. I saw the advertising for it. It, it. it There was a lot of commercials on MTV back in the day. I didn't actually see the movie, though. Okay. Um, so there's a scene where, obviously, the idle hand, it's like a it's like a thing, basically, from the Adams Family, where it's going around yeah. killing people. Um, and there's like this uh, goth... Uh, foreplay scene in a van where we just got some some boob rubbing or whatever and then the idle hand comes up and starts rubbing the boob uh same thing here except we're just rubbing dong uh (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, yeah, so they're get uh, so uh, Ben Stiller's wife and the handsome guy. They're getting it on in the van, and again, he's like trying to fill some boobers. She's like, ah, 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 no, it's not gonna happen. And the hand, the the severed hand, just like kind of pops up underneath, uh, underneath the seat, and just starts like just just like rubbing on his dog. <laughs> he's like, slow down, dude, slow down. Uh, it's kind of funny. No, I, I thought it was really cute because we, we have these shots cutting back and forth between them making out and him saying, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> like doing a Hank Hill impression. Oh, I'm close. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then when he um, finally notices both of her hands are on him, he looks down and the demon hand flips him off yeah. from his crotch. It's cute. And then uh, very quickly, uh, the demon Angela like slaps against the, the windshield. So it's like she has minor teleportation powers or something. It's cute. Um, and by the way, uh, Shirley was dispatched by a combination of the nun interceding, uh, Perry helping out a little bit, and Johnny, Johnny Lawrence, busting out those kicks. Mm-hmm. Johnny with them kicks, because he he straight up sidekicks Shirley straight in the gut. That's how you Shaboom. fight demons. Yeah. With karate. <laughs> karate. Okay, so uh, our, uh, our uh, not-quite-breeding pair, they didn't quite get there, uh, Kurt and... Uh, <laughs> I, I'm just going to call her Marsha because yeah. it's Christine Taylor. Uh, the two of them, they, they file out of the van and then uh, Angela cuts them off and uh, she steps in front of Kurt and she says, How's about a little head, tiger? <laughs> <laughs> and then she just, like in one fell swoop, depacketates him. She, like, she yeah. chops his head off with her bare hand. I'll jerk you off um, next time, Gadget. Next time. <laughs> Um, and then she, uh, uh, I think Shirley uh, catches Christine Taylor in the woods after she runs away from the depacketation and she smooches her. Mm-hmm. So basically, uh, it, the, the, the demon aspect of thing, the way, there are no rules here. Oh, it's, it's just Evil like, Dead. We're, it, the, honestly, like the best way to understand this is just Evil Dead. This is what's happening. Yeah, it's just like there is no like official way to demonically possess anyone in this story. It's just sometimes they get smooched. Sometimes they get depacketated. Sometimes they're just in the room, mm-hmm. and a few scenes later, they just turn evil. It, yeah. it just happens. Like, it, don't question it. It's the closest thing you can get to to Sam Raimi cam demon just going up to people and then possessing them. It's like there. It's never explained how the the Evil Dead demon possesses people, and especially if you get to Ash versus the Evil Dead, it's a lot more, and you still don't understand exactly how it works. But you don't need to. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, no, it, it doesn't affect your enjoyment of, of the production. No. Um, yeah. Don't ask questions. Um, but yeah, so we get, <laughs> I've got Mary Mishaps, we get the tonguing, and then the the ba- the basketball scene is the most Evil Dead thing, I think, in the entire film. Because this is almost exactly something that happened, like something very similar would happen in Ash versus Evil Dead. Like, it, this is very much the comedy of that show. Yeah, that's that's when the movie has a bit more momentum going for. Actually, this is about the point where the movie really picks up. Yeah, the movie and starts I, here. I, I really, yeah, <laughs> fifty three minutes in, the movie yeah. starts. Um, yeah, the the basketball scene towards the very end, I actually did get a kick out of. It's it's corny as all hell, but you can tell they were having fun, and it it on top of that, it's pretty well shot, and all the all the makeup effects are pretty good for the most part. Mm-hmm. A little bit inconsistent. I'm pretty sure there was more than one actress and or actors playing uh, Angela because that makeup effect 
drastically differs from shot to shot. Mm-hmm. Like there's clear there's clearly like a an an A and a B Angela where like there's the really good looking one that we get for the finale and on the box cover and stuff. But then there's some like in between sequences where it's just like they didn't quite get all the way there now did they? And more more than that it's like I don't think the whoever was wearing the makeup maybe they weren't particularly comfortable wearing the dentures or something because I I noticed like there's a little bit of inconsistency there where it's like the gums and the teeth are massive in the finale of the film but like some of the middle sequences it's like I don't even think they have any (laughs) I mean I I could totally see that I mean I heard that uh, speaking of Sam Raimi uh, I heard that Topher Grace really cut the fuck out of his gums uh, when he was wearing the the Venom dentures uh, in Spider-Man 3 good I'm glad glad he bled after that performance (laughs) he had to bleed for that performance that shitty performance I, you know, I think he's actually a really nice guy in real life, so that wasn't fair. But uh, fuck that movie. It's not very good. Um, <laughs> it it has its moments, but on the whole, it's unfortunately not great. Uh, just so you know, we did watch the new Doctor Strange. I think I mentioned that off air. Uh, there is mm-hmm. 100% a Bruce Campbell cameo in there. Uh, not my favorite one. He gets two. He gets two cameos in there. Uh, he's hey! One, spoiler, he's one of the stingers. Uh, his, his stinger is... One of my favorite stingers now. Uh, but I still think uh, his Spider-Man 2 cameo is his best one. <laughs> yeah. Becker. <laughs> That's why I say Becker. <laughs> the second one's the... Uh, the um, is that, isn't oh, that the, the, the theater. The theater. The theater. That's yes. the best yes. one, yeah. It helps maintain the illusion. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> All of his cameos in those Spider-Man movies are great. Yeah. All of them. I mean, the ring announcer in the first one. That was the, good. <laughs> the, the rude theater attendant in the second mm. one. And the Frenchman in the third. Or the want-to-be Frenchman in the third one. I no. am French. <laughs> he, he is uh, he's an American treasure, and I'd love to have him at a dinner party sometime. Say, or, or, uh, 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 fucking... Uh, uh, Bruce, if you're listening, I'd like to have you over for dinner, please. I have weed. Oh, that would be wonderful. <laughs> there you go. Sold. I, I need to read his book. Oh, uh, he's got a book? Oh, I've got to read that. Yeah. Uh, you didn't know that? It's, I... it's actually kind of dated now. Like It's been out for a long time. It's called, I think, If Chins Could Kill. Ah, that's an appropriate name for the book. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, where where do we go from here? Uh, so yeah, we get the basketball scene where the person's playing with their head. Uh, oh, that's like that's like that's like a half an hour down the road. Oh, but dude, I just I literally just, just want to get to the finish line. I'm, it, I'm fine with that. It's just Mary. I literally have written down Mary mishaps. It's just like I was just kind of watching it at this point, just kind of seeing what was happening. I'm like, there's nothing really noteworthy happening on the screen, so I'm just kind of letting it happen. The next noteworthy thing was basketball scene. Was there anything I missed in the Mary mishaps? Uh, I mean, nothing major. The main thing is that Father Bob and, more importantly, the nun are recruited uh, to go go to Whole House. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, basically, uh, Angela, as Angela, not the demon, um, approaches Mouse and uh, gets her sister to go with her and all of her demon buddies uh, to go back to the Whole House for some sort of ritual. Uh, Perry witnesses it or something, and he's like, hey, let's all get a Scooby Squad together to stop whatever's happening from happening. Uh, so he manages to convince Father Bob and the nun 
uh, to join them, and we get a like a Batman esque suiting up montage with mm. uh, Perry and the nun like strapping on all sorts of uh, yeah. Catholic weaponry yeah. um, in the form of a squirt gun filled with holy water and water balloons uh, with crosses sloppily drawn on them filled with again holy water. And uh, the nun has uh, the equivalent of like uh, like a a chain or or nunchucks uh, in the form of a crucifix. And uh, she puts on a super habit, because uh, if you're going to go demon hunting, you need to have a super habit. Um, but yeah, it really is just kind of Mary Mishaps and Sue. Uh, BB and Johnny are with them as well. Uh, I, I did like that Father Bob uh, stops the scene dead to say, hey, I'm in charge here. We should totally split up. That seems like the best idea right now. It's almost like a, a winking nod to the audience. It's like, if you've seen one of these movies, you know, obviously... I'll be right back is not what you say. Um, but he, it's just funny to see the authority figure being like, whoa, hold your horses, kids. We should totally split up. <laughs> like, that seems like the best idea here. Um, but the main thing is just some nifty effects work in the form of people being melted mm-hmm. uh, when they get splashed with holy water. Um, so basically all, all of the other characters, so that would be like Rick and Z-Boy and surely they all make appearances here as demons and they're uh dispatched with any manner of like holy water uh weapons um and they're summarily melted uh rick gets like his head melted off it's pretty tasty uh christine taylor because she's christine taylor uh gets cured she's the only one that this happens to in the whole movie it's bizarre i thought rex got cured did it not work no, no, he gets hit in the fucking head with a bat. Yeah, the with, spike with bat. nails in it. Yeah, the, uh, oh, that dude. is not demonic possession. That's no. getting hit in the fucking head. Yeah, with you're a absolutely bat right. With nails in it. <laughs> you're, but then he starts to become possessed. I really wish he would. The the guy that hit him, I think it was uh, Zed Boy. I was like, I yeah. really wish that he would have done the Jack Nicholson scream from The Shining, where he just comes out, ah! like just out of fucking nowhere. <laughs> I mean, it, it almost plays like that. I was yeah. craving that because because it is so sudden and because that character of, of Perry, of, of Rex, uh, Melvin, if you will, like he's portrayed as such like an innocent and like such a, a an aid to all the heroes that it's so, it's kind of bizarre that he gets kind of wiped out instantly. Yeah. Just like out of nowhere. I was, Zed Boy just jumps out from the shadows and bonks him in the head with a bat. <laughs> yeah, he's been pretty much our main character. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And he's just taken out like nothing, but, like, I guess he's killed, but then he starts to get possessed. Mm -hmm. So, like, as he's passing away, he asks Johnny with the bad hair to not kick him, because that's that's Johnny's first instinct. But he says, don't kick me, Johnny. Uh, Give me some holy water. So he pulls, he, like, pours holy water in his throat. And I don't know, I don't know my Bible. I don't know Bible shit, but he says, "Do you remember the story of Abraham?" Oh my God, yeah, that Kyle. Was... Do you do you remember the story of Abraham? Fuck. Uh... <laughs> yeah, that's a no. <laughs> One of our listeners is definitely like like twisting twisting a towel right now in anger because he definitely knows I'm, the story of I'm Abraham. Sorry. I'm uh, sorry. Uh, so I think he had two two kids. Eyes. I'm just gonna let this play out. I this think, is not getting cut. I think I think this is it. I think he had two sons, Isaac and Esu, or I think was what his name was. And Abraham was gonna give his no, that's Ishmael. I've lost it, dude. I don't know. Uh, there, I think there was something about a birthright. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't remember. 
I mean, I checked out partway through what yeah. he was saying. But it, had, <laughs> it had something to do. It had something to do with some guy named Abe having some kids. Abe, yeah, and Abe. And, and probably it was relevant to the story. I don't know. I I, <sighs> I checked out. Yeah, no, Abe Sapien. Um, let's see. <laughs> Uh, By the way, uh, there there is a literal stock footage in this film from the first film. Oh. Uh, yeah, I, I noticed there's a couple of shots. Angela has a nasty habit of uh, mounting herself on roller skates and getting pulled around the house. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, you did see that, didn't you? Uh, yeah. it, it happens a lot, and it's always funny. Like, mm-hmm. it never stops being funny, but there's a couple of shots of her, like, chasing some people down hallways that's like, oh. That's from the first movie. I've seen that. Okay. That makeup's a lot better than this one. <laughs> uh, so, Zed Boy's getting really rapey uh, around this time. Uh, this is where we get the weird uh, crotch growing still scene. Um, and I think he starts chasing down. Is it is it Christine that he's chasing down? Uh Christine's out of the movie. Okay, so it's uh, it, BB then. They he's cure chasing. her. They cure her. They like she attacks BB. And everybody shows up to save BB because mm-hmm. we all love BB. She's great. Yeah, we love BB. Um, yeah, she's great. Um, and they pour holy water down Christine Taylor's throat. And unlike the other demons, her head doesn't explode. Her throat doesn't burn out. She pukes a bunch of green shit and some roaches, and she's fine. Like, she's <laughs> <This is> good. <laughs> yeah, she's good. She's, she's gonna go hang out with Ben Stiller or join the Brady Punch or something. Yeah, she she's can... got a future, unlike the rest of you fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. I've got to go enjoy the rest of my acting career. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, BB uh, is accosted by Z Boy. Um. And as Kyle said, uh, there's there is like a dedicated mechanical prop of some sort to his junk. Yeah. It's never unsheathed, thankfully. No. <laughs> it stay, um, the rooster stays in the holster. It's, it's fine. Um, but this man did have to wear some sort of apparatus around his waist. Um, uh, I'm sure it was uncomfortable. Don't sneeze or it'll go off and blow your dick off, all right? Now, just be careful. Uh, I'm just imagining, like, the three or four puppeteers, like, <laughs> like uh, hanging out just below frame, smoking, and, like, working all sorts of wiring and whatnot. <laughs> Uh, that's funny. I was listening to uh, This is Important. The Workaholics guys uh, started a podcast during the pandemic. It's a lot of fun, especially if you like that show. But Durs was talking about, uh, he's like, yeah, I was working on this production uh, for a few months. And this guy, they had to put something down in like, like a microphone set up around my crotch area. And he's like, and every time he'd do it, he would just like graze my dick. One time, he would just kind of graze it a little bit. And he's like, huh, that's weird. And he's like... Because people that do that are really careful about not touching you in inappropriate places. And he's just like, maybe it's just kind of a thing. That he just did it on accident. But then it kept happening. So then he asked one of his co-stars. He's like, hey, when the guy's putting the microphone on you, he's like, yeah, I don't, it's so fucking weird. He totally grazes my dick. <laughs> and they're like, well, do we do we like tell and get him fired? And they're just like, no. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so they just let him keep doing this. <laughs> But sorry, that sort of reminded me of this. Because oh, <laughs> I wonder if he had, if, I wonder if it's the same guy working on the production that was doing this. He has, he has a long history of rigging apparatus around people's crotch areas. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's a certification for that in Hollywood. Like, I have to assume. But it's a highly specialized talent. Fair. Um, um, but yeah, uh, the basketball scene, uh, it is worth talking about because it is pretty cool. Um, because we get to we we uh, we happen upon Kingsnake, uh, Kurt, 
uh, now depacketated. And the way that the scene is introduced is like Johnny, who has been he's been kicking doors. He's been trying to kick demons. He's he's looking for something to kick. Um, he's like wandering around kind of like outside the house. Um, and he happens upon Kurt, uh, who, as Kyle had said, is dribbling his own head. Uh, which is pretty cool. Like that's very inventive. It's like if you're gonna have a depacketated character, that's that's a fun way to reintroduce them, especially since you had the precedent of him, you know, playing basketball earlier in the movie. Um, but yeah, Johnny is saved by a Perry, aka Rex, aka Melvin, because um, Melvin discovered the secret to defeating demons involves water balloons to the fucking noggin. Um, but yeah. Uh, Kurt is dispatched by a water balloon, but not before Johnny gets gets one of them kicks in. Uh, he has to like kick him to the ground. It's like it's like he can't kill him until he kicks him. Um, and there are so many fucking sports puns in the sequence. There's like there's like basketball puns. There's football puns. It's just it's like we just stepped into Batman and Robin for a second. It's 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 bonkers. But anyway, uh, Zed Boy. Uh, he is dispatched by a uh, combination of, I think, BB and the nun. Um, there's also squirt guns used to get rid of bad guys. Father Bob also, um, he was stabbed by Rick earlier in the film. Uh, that's how he dies, um, because somehow he didn't, he didn't see that coming. Um, he reemerges as a demon, and uh, there's a, there's an entire room full of melted demons that's actually pretty spectacular to look at. Pretty gross, um, yeah. Yeah, because they're, they're in all like all manner of disrepair where there's just like limbs strewn about and like father Bob's upper torso is sticking out of the floor. Uh, it's pretty juicy. Uh, it's, it's well, it's well conceived and well rendered. I, I, you know, tip my cap to them. Um, and yeah, Z boy gets his junk melted. Um, unfortunately, like it's kind of a missed opportunity because the, this film's sense of humor largely stems from, you know, toilet humor and like immature, like, like i don't know anatomical stuff mm-hmm. like you would expect that like having an opportunity to show a person's crotch get melted out oh yeah you could have you could have taken this as like a I'm, I'm picturing like dead alive doing it but uh like his dick melting off uh that would have yeah. been pretty funny but yeah. this, this was the 90s we were not we were not into uh dude dick quite yet i mean we were cl- we were we were doing classy dude dick at this time it had to be prestige films that we do dude dick okay i i have a i have a thought mm-hmm. um is it a dick the oh, obviously okay. uh, <laughs> the, the the rage carry 2 oh yes was that like was that like 97 dude i cannot believe you just said that you're the only other person in the history of mankind that knows that fucking movie um oh i i don't know why but like we rented that and i think i watched it twice when i was a kid it is one of the most chilling suicide scenes i've ever seen uh in a film it's pretty effective yeah, yeah. It, it's not altogether a very good movie but yeah no. there's, there's a couple there's a couple of moments in there that are actually quite effective uh it's rage carry 2 from 1999 99 yeah uh because there there is severed dick in that film uh, oh. if you're not aware i was not yeah is it zachary is it zachary ty Bryan, the kid from uh home improvement yes uh nice uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he uh he gets a uh I think it's a, it's like a, a spear fishing gun jammed into his crotch, and then the trigger is pulled, and his junk goes out his asshole into oh, a pool. What? Yeah, Dude, it's pretty cool. That's pretty so tasty. You, you don't actually get to see the detail of it, but you actually do get to see the spear 
floating with some gore attached to it that looks like a, a snossage. Um, so, yeah. Is is Cat Shay related to Bob Shay? Oh, I, I don't actually know. Okay. Uh, I think that was a new line film though. Uh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna Google that because she direct Cat Oh, we've we've <laughs> we found a rabbit hole for Yeah, we found a rabbit hole. <laughs> Cat Shay. Let's see if she's related to Bob. Alright. Continue. Okay. Uh so yeah, Z Boy, uh, unfortunately we don't actually get to see his junk get melted. We just see some like steam rising out of his crotch as he gets hit in the package with a with a water balloon. Missed opportunity. But you know, the the movie actually has had a decent amount of gore and some fun fun effects and stuff so it's it's not a huge letdown but it is a missed opportunity for what seems to be a pretty enthusiastic crew of makeup effects technicians um which i guess brings us to our uh final confrontation of the film so basically we have like a uh an altar of sorts that a mouse uh, is laying on top of while the the demonic Angela greets our heroes. Uh, it looks like Kyle has our, our weekend update. Yeah, so it, it is. She is in no relation to Bob Shea, uh, to the producer, or whatever he does. So not related. But yeah, let's go to the lab and see what's on the slab. Uh, mouse is on <laughs> now, the slab. Is, uh, is is Lynn Shea relations to Bob Shea though? Now that's a good question, Trevor. Let's look that up. <laughs> Because I believe she's also been in a lot of New Line films, the first Nightmare on Elm Street especially. Um, oh, Jesus. Uh, well, so Lynn Shay was, I think, married to, or did something with Mark Marin. Uh, Whoa. Weird. <laughs> I uh, didn't she, know that. But she died in 2020. Oh, really? Lynn Sh- oh, Lynn Shelton. That's a different person. That's not what I uh. wanted. It's a different person. Oh. Lynn Come Shea. on now. I, I, I would have heard about that. Yeah. In fact, I think she's I think she's in a video game that just came out like the other day. I think uh, the quarry. I'm pretty sure she, she and Ted Raimi apparently are in that game, if memory serves. Oh, you're talking about uh, ah, yes, Lynn Shea. Yes. Okay. Uh, okay. King King Kingpin. Yeah. Ah, what is God, it? The, the, <laughs> the grossest fucking human being on the planet. <laughs> it's the greatest. <laughs> She, she is so good. It's one of, like she she looked at herself in the mirror and knew exactly what to do. It's one of the it's greatest. Disgusting. It's one of the greatest moments in film history. It really is. Uh, <laughs> it's so fucking nasty. <laughs> the chin hair. Oh god! What is it about good sex that makes me have to crap? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think uh, old, I think old old Farrelly brothers, very yeah. different from uh, what Green Book or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that this one, uh, I think that she, might Robert Shea, yes, yeah, so Bob Shea. Hey, there we go. We figured it out, folks. We figured it out with the powers of the internet. We oh, figured you, it out. Thank you for listening, folks. We'll get back to the uh, to the program here. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's not a whole lot left, but basically no. uh, we have our final confrontation. Uh, we have a Ninja Turtle nun. Uh, she mm-hmm. pulls a Michelangelo where she goes, and yep. she sucks her head into her habit. It was it was kind of hilarious because yeah. it looks like her head gets lopped off and then whoop, and just head pops up out of, the, out of the clothes. It's like, oh, okay, we have Ninja Turtle nuns now. Um, and we have some sort of battle of faith where, like, the nun is volunteering to take Mouse's place because there's apparently some sort of human sacrifice about to go down. Yada, yada, uh, yada. Yeah. Yeah, I'm real tired today. Um, long story short, uh, 
mouse gets off the slab uh they melt the demon angela with squirt guns it's pretty tasty yeah um but then we have like one last scene that mm-hmm. felt like it didn't need to be here uh i disagree again- i disagree i think that it okay the, okay the, the scene didn't need to be there, but this prop needed to be because this prop was pretty fun. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Like, it looks like they built an entire extra set just to do this effect. Yeah. And it is it is unique, and aside from the fact that it doesn't interact very well with the people in the room, there are cer- there's certain shots, especially when she's upright, mm-hmm. that look very very good so okay uh, i i see where you're coming from it's it's legit creepy like it, it's it's a, it's a creepy little little prop they made but yeah there we didn't really need this was like the like the the bug getting ready to bite uh will smith at the end of men in black and she just gets shot by uh the doctor but yeah we didn't really need this part yeah, so basically the demon Angela reemerges again in a like we're just in a room that even the even the characters in the film point out this room wasn't here before mm-hmm. <laughs> as in we had some extra money laying around and decided to put a snake lady into our film so we we built an entire set just to accommodate the snake lady and all the wire rigging required to render said snake lady. It's all done practically. It is a it is a woman wearing a snake suit. Uh, with a, a big old tail, she looks like a gorgon minus the snake hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, she slaps some people around with her tail. She's largely ineffectual. Johnny tries to get some kicks in. He assumes the position, like he's got those hips lined up, but he doesn't get it off. Um, uh, but she is defeated by Johnny in the form of him like kicking, kicking some some wooden boards off of the wall that uh, in the shape of a cross, mm-hmm. which causes a beam of light to come into the room, again, in the shape of a cross, which then causes her to explode. Mm-hmm. It's pretty awesome. Aw- so it's a tasty explosion. <laughs> I was on the Zoom. We had already started the Zoom call, and I was literally finishing the movie, and Trevor was on there right when that happened. So my, my, my reaction was genuine when it was like, oh, whoa, that was pretty cool. I was not expecting that. <laughs> It's funny, I have a specific noise I make when things like that in movies happen. I go, yeah! 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 Yeah. It's, it's whenever something's absurd and over the top. It's just like, it, you, you have to. Why but not? Yeah, yeah. Uh, she, she explodes for no real reason. Uh, it's kind of fun. Um, by the way, I, I did not point out the, the uh, opening title card. Like, like, just the display of the title in the movie. It's pretty wicked awesome okay. it's just like the combination of the font and the way it's drawn on the screen and the fact that they have like whooshes and even like a snake hissing noise when the two is drawn onto the screen it's like that's pretty cool man like they spared no expense just drawing the title on the movie it's like that that's a small thing but i really appreciate that word. um and also it's a callback to the <laughs> word word <laughs> It's also a callback to you know her snake headdress and uh, the the snake hiss when the two is drawn on the screen. It's like sure she'll turn into a snake lady. Why not? <laughs> it's like fuck it, whatever. Um, but anyway, yeah, all of our uh, our heroes escape. So like BB and all those people, they're like head back to campus uh, for the Joel Silver ending to a movie. So you know blankets and like <laughs> it's all that business. No no papers streaming down from the sky and no knock knock knocking on heaven's door. But um, we get a, a surprise ending though, uh, in the form of what I have to assume is a producer's daughter. 
uh, finding a the lipstick container, the demonic lipstick container. Mm-hmm. And then we get the only CGI in the movie that I noticed. Oh yeah, and it's a snake. It's a, yeah, it's a really terribly rendered CGI snake head. Yeah, and it's, uh, I think it's the only instance in the entire movie, and it's not terrible by 1994 standards. It's oh, just like it makes Reptile from Mortal Kombat look like Interstellar. Like it's it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's I would argue it's maybe on par with Reptile. It's it's almost aided by the fact that it's it's monochrome like it's it's just the color of the lipstick mm-hmm. like it's not like multicolored like reptile was where it's just like every little blemish sticks out um but yeah it's just a, a snake head emerge a computer snake head emerges from the lipstick tube and attacks us the audience uh cut to not quite van halen playing over the end credits oh yeah snap into a demon lipstick <laughs> God. yeah it does it does look like a slim jim mm-hmm. it's very veiny <laughs> it's very <laughs> veiny. Like Randy Savage. <laughs> uh, they got the they got the best spokesman for their product. Uh, yeah, but, they did. But yeah, that was uh that was Night of the Demons yeah. two, uh directed by Brian Trenchard Smith. Um and yeah, that was not half bad, if yeah. I'm being hundred percent honest. Like we've, it was not terrible. We've done all. we've done worse this month. We've done worse. <laughs> yeah, just this month. <laughs> just this month. We're, we're going to pick it up. We're going to have to pick up the production. We're going to pick it up a little bit next month. I don't even know what we've got on deck for next month, but it's got to be better. We got to do better. Yeah, yeah. There's been a lot of real life shit going on lately, so I really haven't been thinking ahead. No. But, but yeah, it would be nice to to cleanse the palate with you know some good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever that may be. But, yeah. But yeah, I guess that uh, draws to a close our VHS cover art month. Um, I would like to revisit this theme at some point. Okay. Like I, I, I enjoy this process of just, just you know, doing what we called the show of of like catching up on cinema that like occupies some some amount of space in our brains just in the form of these images. It's yeah. like I'd like to get to the bottom of exactly what the fuck that was. Um, so yeah, you know, we we got had a couple of good ones and some truly fucking bad ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mixed bag to say the least. Yeah. But, um. Yeah, folks at home, if you'd like to uh, catch up on any of our other Catching Up on Cinema content, though, uh, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. You can also find us on the social medias, on the Twitter, at Catching Cinema, as well as the Instagram, at Catching Up on Cinema. So feel free to hit me up at either of those. Uh, And the podcast is available on pretty much every platform you can imagine, including Bitcade. So fucking Google it. Google it. And that being said, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time.